Heavy Cardboard, Episode 28, Terra Mystica. Coming to you from Thunderstorm Alley, Denver, Colorado. Welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium-heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts. I'm Edward. I'm Tony. We want to start this episode off by thanking the great people at Game Surplus. www.gamesurplus.com. Give Velma and Amos a visit on their site. They have a lot of great import games, a lot of hard-to-find stuff, too. And they're just terrific folks, and they support Heavy Cardboard. Tell the folks how to contact us, my friend. All right, on the web, heavycardboard.com. Twitter, at heavycardboard. As always, we're active as all can get out, so hit us up there. Facebook, Heavy Cardboard. Email, contact at heavycardboard.com. YouTube, you can head over there. That's Heavy Cardboard Vids. Last but not least, uh, please take a moment and rate us on iTunes. A big thanks to KRH Caps and Dennis on Science for the kind reviews over on <laughs> iTunes. We're only nine away from 50 uh, reviews. Um, go ahead and be that guy or that gal, and why don't you get us up to 50? That'd be awesome. Thanks. We might have to reward such a person. May, well, no, because then if we do that, then the other 49 are like, hey, what about us? So that didn't seem right. Hey, so caller just, number nine. They, they, people do that all the time. Now. Thank you to everybody <laughs> for leaving the reviews. Nine, nine more or maybe 59 more would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. Right so I want to take a second and go back one episode to episode 27. And the feedback that we've gotten on it when we inter, uh, interviewed Yoris and Yarun of Splatter... It's been awesome. It's been fantastic feedback. So thank you for everybody, and glad you guys have enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun for us to uh, yeah, it really was to interview those guys. So I don't know about you, man, but it's been a pretty fun week for me as a whole. Mm. So start just gaming wise. I was able to game all three days last weekend: Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That doesn't happen too often, so that was that was pretty cool. Um, I have a buddy who I work with, his sister, by the name uh, Michelle Watterson. She won her debut MMA fight. Not just MMA fight, but she fought for the UFC for the first time on her contract. And she whooped a girl's ass. Uh, submitted her rear naked choke in the third round. It was... I realized this... Actually, there are like two people listening Horrible. that care. And but I'm not one of them. But it's the UFC, and it's like I kind of I'm one degree of separation from knowing this girl, and the fact that there's a rooting interest there, like I kind of know her. That's cool. At least I think it is. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Under things that you still don't care about, uh, my Cincinnati Reds third baseman. Oh basement. my god. Todd Frazier won the home run derby last night. Uh, so it's it's a bit of a forgettable season as a Reds fan. So having him win the home run derby last night. Just like was, being a Rockies fan. Was right? Pretty much, right? So that was cool. Um, oh, we should mention, obviously, when I say last night, it, it's Tuesday. Yeah. Normally we record on Mondays, but the universe conspired against us. That is correct. Um, so lastly, and arguably the biggest news of the week. I'm glad you're sitting down. Okay. Let me... Uh... Firmly anchor myself. Bloom County is back after 25 years. Opus, Bill the Cat, and company have returned. It's a big deal to me. That's, That's cool. my favorite comic as a kid. Oh, really? And yeah, this is... Um, a little I'm really, nostalgia there? Oh, yeah. And uh -huh. it's just 
It's awesome news. I mean, Bloom County is back. So is it the yay. same uh, artist writer? Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'm Just... going to butcher his name, but it's Berkeley Berthed. I think is how you say it. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's the same guy. He he. Uh, Just older. He, right, 25 <laughs> years. To, he uh, put on his Facebook page a picture of uh, him on a uh, tablet. Actually. Um, oh yeah. Saw putting that. right, putting drawing opus. Yeah. And it said uh, Bloom County. Uh, 2015 and the internet lost its mind my me included so that was that's cool that was cool 25 years ago I was probably using a pencil not probably i i'm <laughs> you know, fairly probably. positive of that um so we've had some new folks join us for gaming in yeah. our game groups heavy cardboard game group and and for our our well i say our but it's really my i guess we're game group um had yeah. a new guy come in um so that was cool for fire in the lake i finally got that to the table we'll talk about that in a little bit right on Buddy Scott, skipping on BGG, offered to loan us his winsome games so we yeah. can check him out. What are we looking at here? One, two, three, ten games? Ten, and he's got three more he's yeah. going to bring down next weekend. So big thanks to Scott for letting us bum those. And last, one, one day we'll return them. Yeah, in theory. Yeah. He thinks we when will. When he comes over here, I'll take those to my house so he can't take them. Obviously. Right. I, I think that was implied. But cool. he, I think he knew that and just... It was his way of purging the collection a little. Perfect. Even if he didn't come out and say it. So thank you, Scott. Thank you very much. Lastly, um, our guild on BGG is steadily growing. Mm-hmm. It's up over 325 folks now. Yep. Some really interesting discussion goes on in there. And some with us and some without us, which I think is great. Um, so on, on top of that, if you want to be a part of our Ask the Elephant segments... That's where you can submit your questions. That's where we get the the you know your guys's questions that we answer in the guild. Yeah, so go check it out and interact. We're we're pretty active over there as well. Yes, we are. Before we get on to the meat of the show, we want to take a second and uh, let Edward talk about a business venture that one of our our really good friends of the show is embarking upon, and uh, see if it interests uh, our listeners out there. So our buddy Justin Schaefer, uh, the publisher. Uh, the guy behind Terra Nova Games, they've published Ophir, Far, Far Space Foundry, and a, yeah. and a couple others. He started another venture. It's called Cardboard Clothing. It was founded to provide a way for board gamers to express themselves and their love of the board gaming hobby. They make handcrafted shirts and ties with shirts only 20 bucks, with free shipping to the U.S. They're printed on soft, 100% ring-spun cotton shirts, so they'll be soft, smooth, and durable. Hopefully, you guys listening, that means something. I just know they're soft shirts. (laughs) They have some pretty unique and fun riffs on popular games. Everything from Star Realms, Seven Wonders, Lahav, and Power Grid. I've already backed it for one because the Lahav Smokehouse looks pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm 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 going to have to do that, too. (laughs) That looks really cool. You know how I love Lahav. We need to make sure that we're not wearing it on the same day, that's all. Just have our wives coordinate for us. Deal. So I'm going to pester Justin to see about getting either maybe an 18XX or a Madeira or an Arkwright shirt in there somehow. Uh, It's currently on Kickstarter. Go check out the campaign if this sounds interesting to you. It started today. Again, today being Tuesday the 14th. Mm -hmm. It only runs to the July 29th. However, it started today. They've already almost tripled their... Their funding the goal, goal yeah. of seventeen hundred bucks. So the shirts are gonna get made, and I, I guess they're gonna come out with stretch goals for new designs, different ideas, and stuff. We'll link to it in the show notes, or you can just search for cardboard clothing on Kickstarter. Like I said, 
I'm getting one. You said you're probably getting one. Go check them out. See if you're interested. So, Tony, what have you uh, acquired recently, sir? Well, uh, a few things. String Railway, which we're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, no Thanks, your favorite game. It's actually a pretty cool little reverse auction. Isle of Trains, or I or, Love Trains. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Which, which I, I get a kick out of the name. Nice which, play on um, words. Your wife and I and my wife played it, and it was, it was pretty cool, I think, for first game. We'll see what happens there. I, I got a copy of Metropolis. Um, you know, it, it, because it's Istari, I think is how you pronounce it, the Y-S-T-A-R-I company. Right. I think it's just is or is, so it's Metropolis, yeah. but they used to have this thing I'll where call, all... I bought it. I'll call it what I want. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> it's a good no, game. No, but I hear you. I hear it's you. a really good bit. It is game. one of those, like, how do you actually pronounce it? But it is, and I learned it here, and I happened in uh, LGS, and... Uh... <laughs> that kills me every time. <laughs> And they had it there in like pristine condition with some expansion. There's no so need like, to rub that in just no, because no, the no. box on mine's crushed. I just I was like, man, how can I not buy this, right? So that's what's that's what I've acquired. Okay. What about you? First off, Card City. It's a small little card game from Alban Viard. He the designer of Small City. He sent it to me kind of as a hey, sorry about that compensation, I guess you could call it. For my copy of Small City being the being a little dinged up in transit from mm-hmm. France, I told him he didn't have to, but it's appreciated nonetheless. I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet, but cool. Hey, it's a you know Albin game, so I'm willing to check it out for sure. And I think I've mentioned previously on the show that I've been considering considering getting rid of my HeroScape collection. I've decided I'm not ready to do that mm, yet. Okay. Uh, so instead, I went the other direction, and I went ahead and picked up a copy of the new Magic the Gathering. Yeah, that is the other direction. Uh, Arena of the Planeswalker, which they may be trying to make into like a HeroScape 2.0. I haven't played it yet, but I'll be honest, I have my doubts, but it was cheap. It was like 30 bucks, and I'm like, okay, it's worth an experiment to see if I like it. The expansions, when the expansions come out, that's going to be the thing that tells us whether or not it's probably going to be successful. Because the thing with HeroScape, yeah, the extra guys that you got were cool. It was all about the terrain tiles. And this, the new arena of the Planeswalkers, comes with four, count it, four mm. plastic terrain tiles. Everything else is cardboard. Obviously, for a $30 price point, that's what it's got to be. But as a guy who ha- is heavily invested in HeroScape and, and the plastic tiles and making your own board and making it 3D terrain and everything... I definitely have my doubts, but I want to play it. Amanda wants to try it. I know you have no interest, no. so I'm not even going to go there. But I want to give it a shake, you know, give it a, a fair shake, I should say. Oh. So, so we'll see how that goes. Other than that, that's it. Just those two things. What about uh, hunting and anticipating? I'm looking forward to checking out a lot of the games on my anticipation geek list. Uh, other than that, though, man, there's just not much jumping out at me. i got to be honest. Gen Con's... A month away and it's a for the stuff that i don't own already it's a big yawn mm-hmm. it's i am it's I have, a total disappointment is it why why do you think that is uh, i mean is it that it could be that the last three years have been so good that there was bound to be an off year and maybe 2015 is an off year that's not to say that there aren't games that I'm looking forward to or there aren't games that are going to be great mm-hmm. this year. But 
just the sheer quantity of great games in the last few years, maybe we're spoiled? Maybe. There's a, there's a few things, and I'll talk about them later, that I'm going to get. But nothing I'm really, like, wanting. I have to have. No, right, right. right. That's, a, yeah. that's exactly it, man. Right. Yeah, and in the last three years, I can... I can point out specific games being like, man, I was jonesing for this. Right. Can that and, get out here now? Yeah, exactly. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry right. up. And yeah, there's just not much there. So I guess that's a long way to say um, not, nothing. Okay, okay. <laughs> there are a couple things for me. Uh, Trombon. I, I watched MeWe's walkthrough video. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know what? That might be kind of a cool little two-player bubble. Exactly. It looks pretty cool, but... I don't know. It's going to be cheap enough, just card games. Right. We'll give that a try. And um, there's something coming out in the far future. I think it's supposed to be like September or something. It's called Discoveries. Your definition of far future is far different than mine. But when you get as old as me. Fair enough. You don't even know tomorrow if you're going to be here. Good point. (laughs) I, I stand corrected. I apologize, old man. Continue. Discoveries. It's like it is a dice game. And so it's this is a. I know. You know, huh? you know how the wife is about the dice game. So it's oh, her, oh, it's her thing. That yeah, part is for her. The part that's for me is it's in the Lewis and Clark family of games. Okay. And that same artist and everything. It is flipping gorgeous. Okay. And so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, it's just another game I can get to the table with the wife. Okay, cool. So, so we played a lot of games lately. You yeah. wanna You want to go through the litany there? Uh, sure. I'll I'll, uh, I'll hit on a few. Obviously, Terra Mystica with and without the expansion. Yes. Uh, String Railway, which you're going to talk about here in a bit. Mm-hmm. Got another uh, game of the Climbers in, which I was super excited about. I wasn't in that game. That's when we played Isle of Trains or I something. Th- yeah, I yeah. think so. The cool thing about this game of the Climbers was it was the first time that I played it in which there wasn't a block left to move. Like, it was just a yeah. huge, tall tower, yeah. and there, just, there were no moves left. So that was kind of... I don't know if that was... Excellent play or piss poor play? I'm not sure which. I didn't but... see, like I didn't study your table, but it looked like it was two blocks wide, two blocks deep. It was like a perfect square. It, it ended up, up. It ended up being that way. That, that was, was cool. pretty cool. Uh, we got a game of Bowsack End, which is oh, always yeah, yeah. always fun, right? Bandu. Um, we got a what I'm gonna oh, call. Wait a minute. What we on that Bandu game? Yeah, your structure is freaking amazing. I was pretty proud of it. <laughs> it I was like, lie. That was pretty impressive. <laughs> it's not like crazy like the ones on the box, but it was like that's on the box next <laughs> issue or something. It was, Thanks. It was awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, we got in a partial game of Turf Master. And I say partial only because it was one single one race as opposed to three races long. Yeah. Um, but did you enjoy that? I won the race. But did I, you I enjoy my it? nag the best, I guess. Uh, yeah, that was quite cool, actually. Okay, so. cool. Good. Yeah. Uh Got German Railways to the table, and I talked about this way back in episode three, and how I wasn't mm-hmm. really sure if I liked it or not. Well, found out I do like it. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's like or love now, but that turn order mechanic, pretty unique, really cool. Yeah, it's definitely one of those games that has a, a, a feature in there that that makes you uncertain about what the level of your appreciation is, but you definitely have an appreciation for it. And it makes you want to try it again, yeah. at least after your first play, and be like, wait a minute, hold on. Yeah. I'm ready to play it again. Cool. Uh, last but not least was, uh, I finally, finally, finally got Fire in the Lake to the table. 
Uh, it was the short scenario mm -hmm. uh, on Sunday, and we fumbled our way through it a bit. Uh, there were four of us, but we all enjoyed it. I played as the VC, uh, which felt a little awkward. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I told as, you it was going to be hard. Seeing as my dad was was a uh, is a Vietnam vet and was down on the Mekong and all that on the PBR boat, so it was a little little weird. But I got over it. Um, I didn't win. Uh, we're planning another game of it this Sunday while it's still fresh in our heads and and all the Things that we screwed up, we know we screwed up now, and what to do better. On a side note, though, and I just totally unrelated kind of to Fire in the Lake, but tangently, I guess. I tweeted out a couple pictures, um, and I tagged both Volkel Runke and Mark Herman. Those are the designers of Fire in the Lake. And Volkel uh, hit me back and was like, hey, that looks awesome with the black uh, backdrop with the table cover and stuff. And then I tweeted out another picture later about halfway through the scenario and I told him how we, I was getting whomped and he's like, no, you're not. And he started to give me like little strategy oh, hints and stuff. That's cheating, man. <laughs> but it was just, Twitter is so cool in that respect because it gives people a chance to, you know, talk to people that we would have no mm. access with yeah. otherwise. And so just, that was cool, dude. I mean, just, yeah. We should, on. uh. We should periscope some gameplay. Anyway, uh, you, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe folks would be interested that, to check that out. Because if so, let us then, know. Let yeah, us know. Yeah. If we did something on Periscope, would you guys? Yeah. Is there? If there's interest, we'll do right. it. If there's not, then why waste our time, right? So anyway, enough about my play. Well, Other than the you, stuff that I'm you missed two from the previous weekend because we got a round of Irish Gage in and 18 AL in. How did I forget? No, I wasn't in the Irish Gage one. But the ATAL, yeah, that was a At big my drop. House. Yeah, no, I huh. wasn't in that okay. game. Okay. Uh, and then Province, I got to play. I played that with your wife, I think, also while the Climbers was going on. Yep. So It was a long game of the Climbers. Yes, it was. You guys were climbing all over the place over there. So, <laughs> But that's it? Yeah, that was it. Cool. Uh, real quick, yeah. how'd you like ATAL? Um, it was all right. Okay. I felt like we outplayed the game. Oh, like it over, like it should have been done. But we'll talk yeah, more we about will. this next right, episode. Right. All right, cool. don't want to say too much. All right, Edward, sir, I would like to talk a little bit about String Railway. This one struck me as odd that you wanted to do this as a trailer, so I'm all ears. Go all right, for cool. It. Uh, String Railway is a 2009 Japan brand release by designer Hisashi Hayashi. Well done, I think. It's a two to five player game. Takes about ten minutes per player. And what's happened in the in the game is it's a rail game. It's a network building game, but you use string. <laughs> and so the game, literally, the game is a box of string. <laughs> so you bought a box. I of bought string. a box of string, probably and a, a handful more. of little cards. Right. You know. Right. Uh, you lay out the big string onto the table, and the game set has some prescribed shapes for the different player counts, but you can go crazy and make whatever shape you really want. And that's the overall playing area. You take There's a smaller loop string, and you lay that inside of that somewhere, and that's a mountain range. Okay. And then there's a little like blue string that you lay somewhere in the playing area, and that's a river. And you give everybody their 
their set of strings. Everyone's going to have five strings. Four of them are about 12 inches long and one's about 18 inches long. And everybody gets a home railway station that they're going to put on the edge of the player. And that's a little card. Now, so there's only five turns in the game because everyone has five pieces of string. So you go around the table, everyone's going to draw a station card from the deck, put it out into the world somewhere, and then lay a string from at first, their home station to that new station. So they're just they're building the world in which they live in. As you go. Right. And after on your second station, when you're going to place your second string, it can come from your home station or from any other station that you've already connected to. So you can branch out and expand your network. But you can't jump around. Also, when you, if you, when you draw the tiles, the little station tiles, if you drew a countryside tile, you're going to get to have one bonus tile. So sometimes you'll be able to place two stations out there. And that's a pretty cool thing. And when you put your strings down there to connect, hopefully you're connecting to more than one station because you can lay that. The string is completely malleable, right? You can twist it around here and bend it there and move it over here and touch two or three different stations. Because every time a string touches a station, you're going to score some victory points for it. But those stations have little icons on them that say, oh, only two players can be in this station or four players and things like that. So you have to get to some stations before other players. And some of them actually have negative points attached to them. Yes. Some of the stations, like my home station or a handful of the other stations that come out, when other players contact those with their railways, I lose a victory point. So the, the game is really connecting stations, earning victory points, and even costing opponents victory points sometimes when doing so. And maybe manipulating the placement or, or, or the placement of things to where you're not going to lose as many points as well. Yes, and that's where a, a little bit of evil comes out in the players, how, where they place things, and maybe they bend their string, they loop their string way over here, and connect like this and, they're, and, comp- and cover this whole area with their string because one of the things is when you lay your string, for every string that it touches that's already on the table, you lose a victory point. So if I go connect to that station and earn three, but I have to cross the river and the mountain, well, there's minus two right there. Or if I manipulate it to, it to where you have to cross my string to get there, that's negative three, so you just made a play and got zero points. Yeah, and, and it can get really pretty intricate in how people work their string and yeah lay, uh, lay it out there and block other people's paths and make it difficult for other players. It's kind of social experiment in there, too. And it's fun as the game develops to watch the players go, like if it's their first time, right? Oh, okay, I'll just lay this. And then eventually it'll click in and like, oh, but if I do this. Or some, the, the, like in our first game, you know, somebody for the first time doesn't lay it out straight they do all this real squiggly thing or whatever and a light bulb goes on like i can do that it even occur to (laughs) me okay rock on and and it's very simple rules man like you draw a card and you lay a string you know it's it's very easy to teach (laughs) and and it's really neat also to see the board develop with all these strings going everywhere and it's just crazy insane rail networks all over the map especially in a five-player game especially in a five-player game for sure you know i realize it's part gimmick and part game to me it is and there's a there's a bit of social experiment i kind of think of this in some ways as akin to the same experience from northern pacific but 
a little, but it's a little longer and a little, little, and it's different. But I feel like it's players um, seeing what they can do to each other. I could, you know, I could see that. That actually is a really good analogy between this and Northern Pacific. I, 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 it's a toy, but I think it's an extremely clever toy. Just, to, I mean, I never would have thought of making railways out of string. It makes sense though when you stop and think about it, right? A downside to the game is it's ridiculously expensive. It's like twenty bucks for a box of string. <laughs> so that part sucks. I'm gonna not give the game a rating. You know, I've only played it a couple of times, once with the wife and uh actually actually I the second time I had to try it, I didn't play. I taught and observed, so I've only got one play of it under my belt. For me, I felt like at least with five players, now granted all five of us were new, but it just it just went way too long. But I think part of that was the fact that we were all new players. Yeah. Uh while playing it. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I actually filler. saw one person AP. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> um John Borer, is that how you pronounce his last name from Winsome Games? Back in the day when this came out a few years ago, he actually rated it a ten. Just, really? Just based on the cleverness of it and, and how it fits into um, some of the spirit of Winsome Games. I, I was going to say, well, I mean, we're talking Northern Pacific here, and Northern Pacific is a Winsome Game, so that kind of right, makes right, sense. Right. My, personally, I think, you know, if you're looking for some train-flavored filler to get a train day off or something, you might think about busting this out once in a while. But 20 bucks for a box of string, huh? Yeah, 29 retail, but you don't have to pay that much, obviously. Sure. So. Anyway, uh, that's String Railway. Edward, let's talk about a game that has two names. Chicago Express, Wabash Cannonball. Published in 2007, designed by Harry Wu. Published by Winsome Games originally, more recently though, Queen Games. And that's the difference between the names. I'm going to refer to this as Chicago Express, but they're the, the exact same game, just production quality is different. It plays three to five players, plays in about an hour. Uh, the playtime, I feel, is pretty honest, um, but it's it, it may be a three or four player game without the eerie expansion. With it, five or six might be doable. Haven't played with that many. I've heard some play the regular game with five, although it, it, it's a considerably different game. Hmm. So in Chicago Express, it's a mechanically simple yet quite deep train game where players are investors that have the opportunity to invest in one of four initial companies as those companies try to expand westward from the eastern seaboard. When the first company pushes west into Chicago, a fifth company and its shares, the namesake of the original game, Wabash Cannonball, becomes available. The game is played out over a maximum of eight rounds and begins with an initial auction where one share of each of the four companies is auctioned off. Once complete, the players take turns choosing one of three actions on their turn. The first action, capitalization, which is to say, put a share of a company up for auction with the winning bid paid into the company's coffers. Second possible action is expansion, aka lay track, but you can only do so for companies in which you're a shareholder. And last but not least, development, or raise the value of a company or companies by increasing the value of a city or other hex on the board. There is a limit to how many of each of those individual actions can be taken each round, and when two of the three actions have, have hit their maximum limit for the turn, 
Dividends are called and paid out based on the income level of each company. That income is split equally on a per share basis. Then each of the three actions limit is reset and a new round begins. The game ends when three companies have sold all of their stock or three companies have no trains left with which to expand or at the end of the eighth round. The player with the most cash in hand wins. Note that stocks have no value in the final valuation of each player's holding. So mm. first off, you lay the bed you make, or I should say you lay in the bed that you make. It's a perfect information game, so if you lose, you did so because you got outplayed, plain and simple. Okay. The companies are all pushing to get to Chicago since when there, each company gets a $7 value increase and immediately pays dividends for that individual company. So there's going to be a mad push west across the board. The different number of trains available to each company means different paths must be taken when you're building. Some train, some companies only have one or two extra trains that are available. So their path between their starting hex and Chicago can't deviate much. It needs to be very tight. It needs to be. As direct provide, as possible. Provided you want it to be. Mm -hmm. One of the best things about the game, though, in my opinion, is the emerging and ever-changing alliances. You and I might both be invested in the company, each having one share of the company. So we profit equally when it pays out. However, if you win another share in an auction, I now have considerably less incentive to help that company since you're going to out-profit me two to one. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. To where it's it's constantly changing. All these implied alliances. It packs a ton of game into a short time frame. Like I said earlier, it's about an hour. Doesn't matter on the player count. May even be a little bit shorter. You get about two or three hours worth of game in a one-hour game, which I think is fantastic. Small mistakes can and will cost you the game. I see that as a positive Absolutely. in the game. It's a lot like, I, I hesitate to say this, but I feel like it's a lot like diplomacy, but without the negotiation. Because players cooperate, and then boom, all of a sudden you're stabbed in the back at the drop of a hat. A lot like diplomacy. <laughs> right. It's easy to teach, it's easy to learn, extremely hard to master. Again, I think this is a definite positive. Has tons of replayability. Even though it has a static setup and no randomness. Due to the ever-changing interactions between right. the players. Who invests in what and, and when what their they, goal with that investment is. Right. Production, uh, at least of the Chicago Express version, I think is great. Save for the paper money. Um, the wooden trains are beautiful. The artwork's nice, although it can get a little muddle, uh, muddy, maybe. Hmm. They're just a little hard to see on some of the hexes, I think. Okay. But overall, I think that's a... That's a small nit to pick. So what's not cool? Um, it's unforgiving and brutal. If new players are playing with experienced players, it's it's very much a trial by fire. Right. You're going to get smoked. You're going to get crushed. And you're not going to necessarily see why you got smoked. They're, they are going to see the elephant. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, due to the uh, underlying intricacies and subtleties in the game... I feel like those inexperienced players um, can and likely will inadvertently play Kingmaker. Uh, if you're playing with a lot of strong, experienced players, that inexperienced player might not see the you know how a subtle thing that he did just threw the game completely out of whack. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so that can be a downside. And, and like I said, the artwork can be a bit busy on the board. Um, but other than that, man, it's a really damn good game. I've only played it a couple times, so I'm not going to give it a rating. Sure. Um, and I'm curious, just to get your take real quick, is it something that you see being able to be featured? Or do you think it's too small of a game? It's deep, but there's just not... I don't know. It might be something that we want to consider doing like, right, the the Chicago Express and German Railways together or something because there are a lot of similarities there. There are. Yeah. Uh, both are originally uh, winsome games as well. Well, some of the investments. Oh, uh, mechanically right, you're saying. Mechanically. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, yeah. And, and I felt like um, those games have a, have a lot of similarity with stuff like Imperial. In, in how investments now I can do things, you know, similar, you, how you can, similar, like not exactly the right, same, right, but, but to where you can't mess or you can't manipulate this train if you're not invested, right. and then if you are invested, do you necessarily want to hurt the company because you're invested? But maybe you do because this other guy is more heavily invested mm-hmm. in the company. So, in a nutshell, that's uh, that's Chicago Express slash Wabash Cannonball. All right, let's roll into some Terra Mystica. Terra Mystica is, you know, the number two game on BGG. Huh. Huh. Number two, huh? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Okay. Terra Mystica is a 2012 release. The designers of the game are Jens Drogamula and Helga Ostertag. Now, Jens has done The Scepter of Xandor. Excuse me, Zavendor, the Scepter of Zavendor, and Helga has done Kaivai. Those are two games I want to play. Same here. Same here. The artist is Dennis Lohausen, and so I've seen Dennis Lohausen's name on a lot of things, and I'm like, what has he done? Tell me, Tony, what has he done? Fields of Arla, Glass Road, Hansa Teutonica, Village, Aquasphere, Coal Baron... Voyages of Marco Polo, Hawaii, Helios, Yunnan, First Train. This dude has done a so crap ton of art. Pretty obscure. Pretty obscure stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just, just an amazing artist. The publisher is Z-Man Games of the version we've been playing. It's a two to five player game. Takes about 100 minutes or so. About 25 minutes a player, I would say, really. And uh, availability and cost, it's... 55 bucks new. It's seventy nine ninety nine retail. Good thing we're not doing this two years ago. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and then the Fire and Fire and Ice expansion is uh, $49.99 retail. That can be found online for $35, $40. As with most games, we're not going to talk about how to play. We're just going to do a quick overview of the gameplay. This is a popular game. There's tons of resources online. So, in the land of Terra Mystica, dwell 14 different peoples in seven landscapes. And each group is bound to its own home environment. So, develop, so to develop and grow... You must terraform neighboring landscapes and to, into their home environments, and you must do this in competition with the other groups. There are also four religious cults in oh. which you can present, progress or possess, as the case may be. To do all that, each group has special skills and abilities, but no two factions have the same powers and abilities. Taking turns, the players are going to execute their actions using the resources they have available at their disposal. Buildings can be built on their home landscapes, and different buildings allow the players to develop different resources. Dwellings allow for more workers. Trading houses allow players to make money. Strongholds unlock a group's special ability. 
and temples allow you to develop a religion and your terraforming and your seafaring skills. Buildings can be upgraded as well. Dwellings can be turned into trading houses. Trading houses can be developed into strongholds and, and temples. And temples, only one though, can be upgraded into a sanctuary. The number and type of buildings you have built determines the amount and type of income you're going to earn each round. Workers, priests, money, and power. Buildings also require that your faction develop the terraforming skill. Your ter if the terrain that you, that you want to build in is not your natural environment, you have to transform it using workers. As your skill improves, fewer workers are required to transform the land, and you'll also earn victory points for improving that skill. Building must also take place in areas connected to your other buildings. Sometimes areas of the world can get crowded, and you must be able to navigate the rivers in order to expand. You start out without any ability, in general, to sail, but you can increase that ability as the game progresses, and you'll earn victory points for doing so as well. When you've built several buildings, you can found a town and earn the favor of the gods. Founding oh. a town also grants you a key that will unlock the highest level of the religious towers. Factions can increase their devotion to any or all of the four religious cults, earning mystical power along the way, but only one player can make it to the highest level of devotion. At the end of six rounds, final victory points are awarded based upon how high you've climbed on the cult towers and how large your settlements are. Fire and Ice is an expansion that came out recently, and it adds a few things to the game. It adds an alternate game board. It's got a different terrain pattern and river pattern. I don't feel it's really anything earth-shattering, but it is a nice change-up. I did see some chatter about some people think that it helps balance certain factions, but not an issue for me. The expansion does also give you four new endgame scoring tiles that are scored in addition to the endgame that's on the board. So I think that's pretty a pretty cool little touch. Another reason to build your buildings in a certain fashion. There's also a board in the expansion that allows you to track turn order based upon passing order. That's a really, really cool feature, I think. And obviously you can just do that without the expansion. You don't need a board for that. And it gives you six new factions two of which introduce a new terrain type. So there's dragon lords that do terraforming with power instead of with workers. There's acolytes who terraform with their cult track points. Yetis that have some really cool special power abilities. Ice maidens who start with a favor tile and they score extra points for temples and religious cult improvements. River walkers can have multiple types of home terrain. That was pretty cool. And shapeshifters where you could actually have more than the 12 power the other factions start with. Um, and and you, you earn those when other players take advantage of, of your buildings. I don't consider the, the expansion a required thing. It's a pretty much a nice to have, though. I agree. The, the turn order feels like a no-brainer that should have been there from Boom. the beginning. right. Um, and But that's, like you said, something that can be implemented without having the expansion. And the new factions are nice, but yeah, 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 you know? The new terrain types are cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no some doubt. cool new powers, but right. yeah. All right, let's talk about plays, player counts, things like that. So I've played it, uh, I counted up all my plays. I've played it eight times, but that's over the course of the last three years. Yeah. And there was a two-year break almost in between my first five plays and my most recent three. Mm -hmm. I played it with three, four, and five players. How about you? Almost exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, except for I have played it two-player. 
Oh, okay. So, cool. Good deal. Scalability in the game. How do you feel about it, sir? I think it scales reasonably well. Um, I've really enjoyed my plays uh, with three players. I In my previous plays, before that two-year hiatus, I burned out on the game, to right, be honest, right. is, is why I took the break. But I hadn't played it in anything but four and five players. And that three-player, which I've played twice since then, I really, really enjoyed that because it played so quick mm-hmm. and it just kept moving and it just I was shocked at how well it played. So I think it scales well, but I can't speak to the two-player because I'll be honest, there are more games out there. That, sure. There are a, a ton of other games I would rather play two-player than Terra Mystic. Sure, our, our friend Matt wanted to learn it and loved it. And we played a two-player, and it was cool. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So how about you as far as scalability? Yeah, I think it uh, scales quite fine. It's it, The board and the placement, you know, the spatial element of building, that's a little more crowded with multiple players, of course, as you would expect, but that scales fine. Let's talk about the cardboard. How do you feel about the component quality in this game? I think it's fantastic. You it's amazing. Re- you got really good, thick cardboard, big, chunky wooden buildings. Nothing feels cheap. No. Well, not only that, but it's for for, for folks that have big clod hoppers, have big big claws, big hands. Mm-hmm. Um, they're easy to grab all the pieces, you know. So that's yeah. that's kind of nice. Um, yeah, it just feels it, quality. I mean, some the, of the nicest component quality, I think. I would it's agree. Notch. The 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 money. It's typical cardboard, you know, punch yeah. out, whatever. So take it or leave it. Sometimes we play with the chips, which are way too big, uh, but we, we manage with it. But, yeah, it's uh, outside of that, which I'm just partial to high-quality money in games. Right. Outside of that, top-notch. Nothing bad to say about it. The box that my game comes in is like five millimeters thick. It's like you can hide under the box in case of attack or something. It's... <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm curious... If you got yours after mine, because yeah, I, I did. Okay, because yeah. mine, it's mine's a slightly a typical, different shade of blue too. Right, it's a typical, you know, kind mine of. Mine was like the second edition. Or okay, yeah. all right. Uh, graphic design, I, I think it's pretty incredible. I I don't Mr. know Lil that Houser. there's. I don't know that there we've had any problems whatsoever. No. I'm not saying that it's perfect, but I'm not saying that it's not because I can't think of anything during my research. I was thinking about this, and I'm like. No, no, I can't think of anything. Rulebook? Clarity? Quality? I think it's very, very good um, for the base game. Let me let me stress that. I think the expansion rulebook yeah. with the expansion factions... Right, there was a couple that we were... Were terrible. Um, but no, I think it, I th- thought it was clear. How about you? Yeah, I think some of that's going to be maybe expected when you have a game that has like special factions with special powers and things like that it's very there's 11 non-standard things going on and there's probably going to be some confusion and lack of clarity in some of those things i think we've seen that i don't know that it should be excused though i really don't but you're right i i think we've come or gotten to the point to where we expect it but Mm. it's a shame that we do so what makes this game fill in the blank heavy Oh, there's no doubt. Oh, this game's medium. There's no doubt. What? No. Really? The th- what is this game rated? 3.9 on weight or something like that? That's that's so over... I'm not arguing overstated. that. Overstated. Uh, really? You think is, medium? Really? This medium game. Okay. For, well, me. for as, me. As we go through this, we'll, we'll hopefully folks yeah, we and, will. and me we can, will. can hear. 
I'm, I'm curious. So let's get right into it then. Let's talk about complexity. For me, I think that the complexity of the game is actually pretty low. The interlocking pieces of the game, they fit together very smoothly and comply without a fight. And I, I think that the depth of the decision-making is actually pretty shallow. There's not really any truly wrong or right decisions from the, from the game. And, but there are lots of things to teach to a newbie. And so it could be rough on some noobs depending on uh, what they're used to. Okay, and I, I would say that the timing aspect, which is so, so, so important in this game... Falls under a, uh, under a different category for That's this. A, elements of the timing are important to me. I don't think they're so for so's. Well, we'll anyway, get into that. Yeah. But yeah, no, cool. I would agree with you as far as the complexity goes. Yes. What do you think about planning and forethought? <laughs> I think coming up with a strategy for your race is one of the most difficult things uh, and arguably the main challenge of the game. Uh, well, I think before that's definitely... the game, before the game even begins, right. the actual okay, what faction am I going to choose? And not only that, but okay, once I've chosen it, my strategy is pretty much set at that point. Sure, because I feel like I, I don't. The planning have... definitely starts before the game when you have your faction, and on top of that, from there. Then it's a matter of, okay, I know what my strategy is. Now, how do I get from point A to point Q? <laughs> right. I I think planning is what this game's all about. And this is one of my favorite planning games, actually. I really get a stellar opportunity each round, you know, of the six rounds. Here's my income. I might be able to manipulate that in certain ways. I actually get to plan everything I'm going to do that round right there very little of it depends on what other players are doing i would disagree on the very little bit you can certainly build something or whatever but well i can well we'll get into that okay actions are income based so income is planning based that means you know you need to maximize your scarce resources every turn and manage what your income is going to be in a subsequent turn yeah right so that's that's where the planning is right i have this now I want to do that now. I want to do that next turn. So I need to make sure that next turn I have these things, which means my income needs to be, you know, so. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Luck and random factors. It's only in setup. It's a perfect information game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The only thing that's random are what tiles are available in the game. You draw them at random, and and that's it, both in the the bonus tiles as well as the round tiles. Yep, yep. Regarding game length, I think you nailed it when you said we're always surprised by how fast we get this game played. With a caveat that I feel that way in three and four player games. Five player games, I've noticed they can run a little long. And I'm not saying that uncomfortably long, but I do think that the game length does contribute to the weight here, Hmm. especially in the higher player counts. Not for me. Okay. I, it, the five-player game has been too long ago for me to remember. Okay. All right. So, so it's possible. So I can't, you know, okay. argue for or against. But um, I, I goes by quickly for me. I, I do hear horror stories about people like APing and game takes hours and hours, and just I just mean, haven't seen that. I and I have, and maybe that's why. So 
difference of opinion there. That's yeah. fine. So cool. let me ask you, on, right. the, on the getting it, Yes. I, I have a feeling that you and I are going to have seismically different All opinions right. on this. Seismically. So go ahead. I think you about a half a game to get your feet under you and realize how your income swings when you build certain things and upgrade and then how to use your power effectively because there's a lot of moving parts to look at and get under control. None of them are exceedingly different, difficult. It's how you get them all to work together. So you're saying half a game? Mm-hmm. That's it? Interesting. Because I, I say that due to the variability and how the different races play, I'd say it takes a handful of games in which to get it. Even if you play the same faction in back-to-back games, that first game may give you the gist of how I play the game, but not necessarily how do I play the faction and play it well. I could argue that learning the basics will only take maybe, you know, half Half a a game game or so. That's what I'm talking about. But to come into a game with a strategy may take, you know, many, many games. Hmm. We'll get into that more later. Okay. Let's talk about what makes the game enjoyable. Well, first off, we love variety, and good God, there's a huge variety in which re- in, in the number of races to choose from. Even in what order you choose a race can impact your choice. The game hasn't even begun. It's hard to overstate this. While you and I might not necessarily be at this level, having not played this game dozens and dozens and dozens of times, some races play extremely well or extremely poorly based on what other factions are in play. So if you're later in the choosing of what factions, other people's choices are going to drastically impact your choice. Or they should, at least. Like I said, maybe not necessarily at our level of play. But I find that really interesting. I think a lot of the variability and replayability comes in what you said, like there's different factions, special powers, two boards with the expansion, uh, choosing where to place your two settlements or initial two settlements is different every time. Um, different scoring tiles, you know, you know, various things like that, bonus tiles. I dig how learning how to play a race is enjoyable and early on in your experiences with that race, that's the main challenge of the game is figuring out how do I play this race and how do I try and play it well. Once you learn what your race is good at, then competing with others becomes the challenge of the game, I feel like. At least for me. Okay. Because I have a hard enough time, okay, I have this race, and this is the special ability, but, okay, I I understand the rules, but how the hell am I supposed to succeed with this? How do I, how do I make this engine go? And I enjoy that, that, I I don't, I, I hesitate to call it a puzzle, but how to figure out how best to do do i race for a first turn stronghold do i hurry to try and do that because this race should or or not and i i find that that puzzly nature some of it will depend on what the end of round scoring tiles are or the for the during the round absolutely and i i like that that investigation that learning aspect of the different races and i mean hell i played this game what i say eight times and i think there there are 14 races and Mm -hmm. i think i've i've played with like Six of them, sure. <laughs> you know, so that's that's fantastic. Part of that pursuit you're talking about is tableau manipulation. What do you mean by that? Well, you start out with your tableau that has the buildings on there, and as you take buildings off, 
things are income, different income is revealed to you. And then as you upgrade and put things back on, you know, you're manipulating your tableau to balance your resources, your income for what you're trying to do. So when you're building buildings, you're not just building buildings just to build buildings. You're building them to manipulate your income because the different buildings are going to grant you different incomes yeah. depending on what they are. And that's that's a cool little I don't not balancing mechanic, but it's just it, it's self balancing, like or a self regulating, like oh, I need more money, so I need to, you know, and they better get a trading house out there. Exactly <laughs> right. I think that's really cool, and I, that that's something I, I do uh, enjoy about the game is that I can plan ahead. I'm really thinking about two turns at any one time. Sure, little elements are always thinking further ahead, but. I'm, I'm usually thinking in a two-turn block, like what I'm going to do with the resources that I have now and how that's going to contribute to giving me the resources I'm going to have for the next turn. And I really dig that um, that ability to do that. So kind of prioritization would be a good way to put that, maybe? Sure. So how to prioritize, for me, is key. A user on BGG, Robin Z, put it quite well. Quote, on a given turn, you have multiple competing priorities. You might want or even need to take a particular power action, which one or more other players can afford. You're looking around the table and sure, you know, you're sure they want those too. You might need to terraform and build or just build on a particular hex, which is crucial to your plans and which an opponent's threatening to take from you. You might need to send a priest to the cult or to a cult quickly to take a three spot or perhaps even a two spot if there are no you know before those spots get taken you might need to get that temple or sanctuary built quickly to grab the last remaining copy of a favor that you need ahead mm -hmm. of another mm -hmm. opponent or in the same vein you might need to found a town quickly in order to get the one you want all the while you want to avoid offering your opponent significant amount of power for as long as you can or only to offer it to them at too high a cost. Right. And perhaps delay your own turns as long as possible to maximize your chances of getting a power boost, which can be used this round. Again, if you wait too long, you certainly won't get the power action you want. Prioritization is super, super key. Even when to pass is an important decision. Right. You, you said the word delay. And that, that's an important part of play, too, is how can I milk out one more move just so you will pass first so I can get that freaking bonus Exactly. Back? Stall, stall, stall. Maybe you desperately need to pass first, though, in, to ensure you get that needed power action or to take a bonus tile that you need. Or maybe it's built up enough money on it from nobody taking mm -hmm. it that you can't pass up all that, right. all that cheese. And the turn order thing from the expansion is really what creates some of that stuff. Yeah, again, I feel like that should have been part of the base. Part, part, part of the base game because to me, variable turn order like that just is is almost something I, I've come to expect in a lot of games. Yeah, as some, long as it makes sense. Sure, maybe. sure, sure. Going around the table is old fashioned. <laughs> there are five currencies in the game: workers, money, power, priest, victory points. Hold on, say those again slower. This workers, time. sure. Money. Well, obviously. Power. Uh, power is a currency to be able to spend for the power actions. So Priests. Okay. For to be and able victory to... points. Yeah. I like that. That's very cool. It's, it's a lot to juggle. It is. For a medium game, according to you. And they, they all have their different values, different uses. And 
speaking of power, I think that the, that's a cool thing in the game. And I, I really like and appreciate the mechanic they have of the three power bowls. How I can only use the power from this bowl. And when I gain power, it's got to go from this one to this one before it can go from this one to that one. So I feel like I'm kind of um, cranking the, the the batteries up or something in, in order to, to use the power. You can. Right, you're right. <laughs> so, yes. I, I really like that mechanic. I also love how the game incentivizes players to build near one another, but by doing so, you invite competition for space. Mm -hmm. Um, At that same time, there's that power leeching mechanic Mm -hmm. to where if you build near me or you upgrade near me, I get a chance to take free power. Well, I shouldn't say free. It's not free at all. It's (laughs) at the cost of victory points at, at minus one. I like that to where that's... Maybe you make it too expensive. Maybe I have five power worth of buildings, sure. and I, we're at a point in the game to where four points? It's yeah, a lot. It's a lot. Plus, maybe I can only make use of three of the power because all the all the all my bowls, my number three bowl is already you right. know mostly filled. Or I've sacrificed a crap ton of it. Right. And on top of that, another in, uh, way the game incentivizes you to build near one another is the cheaper upgrades. With your neighbors. Mm-hmm. So, hey, you get... At least to, for the one building. Well, right. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's a, a critical building. I was going to say, it's a pivotal building <laughs> right. because everything goes through those trading posts. Right. And you you enjoy the cheaper option on the upgrade. However, you're going to be in direct competition now for land. And terraforming is, is uber important. You can't, you can't live except on your type of land. Yeah. It, that's a whole spatial element you know both of us like spatial elements in games and you just mentioned how being next to each other has certain advantages and disadvantages but when you're near a river and your shipping thing is higher you have a, a two shipping range for example well you can kind of break out a little bit give you some space to nice stretch touch. your legs right it's right. a nice touch right. okay here here is the most thematic part of the game. Sacrificing a priest to make big jumps on the cult tracks. I don't think the game's very thematic. Oh, is what it's I'm not saying. at all. Oh, right. We're right. getting to that. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I, I, but I do like that because priests are in limited supply. So when you use them to do that, it's very impactful to your pursuit of, the, of that particular religious Of devotion. the dark arts. That's right. right. Or whatever it is. Well, if right. You're, if you're me, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I, I really like that mechanic, too. One thing I wanted to point out, and, and my wife really appreciates this aspect of the game, and the scoring tiles. Amanda does really well when she has direction in a game. Like, when a game just kind of says, here, go play, go do what you want, she gets a little overwhelmed hmm. with it. And I feel like the scoring tiles, you know, at the end of round scoring those goals, sure, uh, or, uh, I'm sorry, the ones... Throughout the round, right, can help. Every time you do this, you get two points. Exactly, and you're never going to be able to do the ones for all six rounds. It's just it's not feasible. But you can focus on two, three, or maybe even four of them to give you direction. So not only are you trying to, you know, efficiently run your engine with your specific race, but you're also giving. You know, the game is kind of nudging you in a certain direction and that's going to change every game but it it gives you that nudge to hey here 
go do this to where you're not kind of, uh, what do I do? You yeah, know, and it gives right. you that structure and some people really, really appreciate that. So right on. Uh, I definitely wanted to give props to the design in that respect. Cool. Every game's got a few things that maybe we don't like so much. What about Terra Mystica for you? I wouldn't say that I don't like this. It's just absent theme. Yeah. If you wanted a poster boy for pasted on theme, Terra Mystica is it. I, I we don't, don't care, care though. Right, right, that's fine. It doesn't bother us. But I know some of our listeners do care. And there's just, I mean, I realize it's number two game you said on, on BGG at this point, which boggles my mind that it's that high. But um, but yeah, no no theme whatsoever. I think that sometimes the game can be fairly solitary. There is a, there's not a ton of player interactivity here. There's some. But I, I feel like it has enough. You can expand in ways to limit or to take advantage of someone's upgrading. You can race to the top of the, of the four temple tracks. That's about it. But I, isn't, I, I feel like that's plenty. I feel like that's, that's plenty of yeah. interaction. For a Euro? <laughs> that's plenty of interaction, right. but it's not a ton. So... Even though you and I haven't really encountered this at this point in our playing career of Terra Mystica, there is a big to-do about how some factions are simply unplayable Mm -hmm. with other factions. Asymmetry equal imbalance? Yeah, to where they're just... There are 14 uh, factions for the first player to choose, and then once they choose, it cuts out more than just the two they chose. Again, we're, I haven't played it enough, and I haven't played it enough in short enough succession to get my head around that as far as to actually see how this faction doesn't play well with that one. It's just you're, you're, you've lost before the game started against experienced players. I guess we just don't play our games enough to experience that. But But enough people, I mean... There are guys out there that have played it a hundred times, which I can't imagine how. Any game, for that matter. Um, But it's got to be pointed out. And I know that is a huge drawback for some people. Sure. I I think anytime you're going to dabble in asymmetry, you're going to have imbalance in some fashion. I think it's a natural thing. To me, this game is of a time... um, Game length? Yeah. To me, this is a short enough game and... Not a heavy enough game for me to even worry about imbalance. So, uh, uh, say, just throw out a, a, I, a rough number. Say two hours is totally fine for imbalance. So with, This game doesn't take two hours. Yeah, it does. With more wow. player with more than three, yeah. it does. Yeah. Absolutely, it does. But no, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I'm i playing Terra Mystica for the, the fun, for the enjoyment. Okay. And I, I don't care if I've got a, you know unplayable faction or... This is this is an eighteen OE. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? That's a for game, game length. You're saying or right? balance, right? And things like that. Well, no. Uh, what this I, is a game. What I mean is, it's not taking eight hours to play, so you don't. So you're not bothered by that. But the it's, same... it's also of a weight class where I'm not bothered by that. I just anyway. Moving on. Some folks can AP on this game. Oh. <laughs> Funny you mentioned that. I mean, I, I, I you know, my early plays of this game took four hours. Yeah. Um, and that was due to a, it was you know five players learning it, sure, or four, sure. whichever it was. Um, 
yeah the 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 amount of planning that goes in, in, into a, a turn yeah. and god forbid if somebody interrupts that planning and throws it Where out was wide, I? <laughs> and now they got to reset so yeah ap prone players are going to could struggle with this totally agree so part of that maybe lack of interaction sometimes is there's not a, a plethora, your favorite word, Hefe, <laughs> of uh, ways to interfere with business plans, so to speak. Oh, I totally disagree with mm. that. I Okay, here's an example. Simple. Um, you said there are five currencies in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's say to be able to do your business plan, as you say, um, you're short $4. If I'm ahead of you in turn order... And I take that power action that gives seven dollars. You know what you're not going to be able to do? Your plan. I'll, That's. I'll do something else. I'll spend power on money. I'll do that next turn. But maybe you des- for whatever reason you needed to get it done this turn. I, I think that is a huge huge thing. You don't. I mean that's just not something that pops up all the time though. It has in my will, last couple of games. I will say, sure, like there's going to be an opportunity. Do you know how many times I was cussed in our last couple of games for, damn it, I was just going to do that. Now I can't do what I was going to do. And I mean, there, this isn't Caverno to where there's there's a million different ways to no, get around things. I, I agree. It's just, I don't know, the impact of it's not. I I totally disagree. <laughs> but but yeah, to we me, can, we can disagree. That's fine. No worries. So the last quote-unquote negative that I have about this game, and I really don't know why, is every time I look at this game on the shelf, I'm like, eh, not really in the mood to play it. Hmm. Like, it was a bit of a chore to get through the plays in the last couple weeks that we had to play this. Now, while playing it, and especially playing it three-player, and as quick as it moved Mm -hmm. and just everything... That was great. So while playing it, I enjoyed it. I wasn't, oh, this is awesome, but I enjoyed it, okay? Okay. But leading up to that, I was like, ah, oh, damn it, I really, I, we have to for the show, so I got to get the plays in. But man, I really don't feel like playing it. So I wonder if it's that burnout from playing it so much in quick succession two years ago, if maybe I wasn't quite over that, or maybe there's something... It's just not my cup of tea. I mean, but I enjoy my plays, but I'm just, I'm just not, I am never anymore jonesing to play this game. Hmm. Uh, so I don't know if that's a, that's a. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. And now I didn't let on to you that, I, in fact, it was one of my games that I was like, hey, do we want to review Terra Mystica? And because it's a popular game, right. it's in print, which is a shocker. I apologize to all those <laughs> that it is in print. But no, seriously, I just it was it was a chore to get through these plays, well, man. Keep riffing on that. Go go right into your summary of Terra Mystica. I, I think you're you're on something here. I enjoy the game. It's it, it it's a fun puzzle both in figuring out how to play your race mm-hmm. and then once you figured that out how to play against the other players with your race. And it's a I mean, it's the number two game on BGG, apparently, which I I, I don't mean to, to dog on the game. I just it's not the number two game in my opinion. It's nowhere near that. So in summary game, it's fun. I, I, I was super excited to get this. 
from uh, Essen in 2012 when it came out. Right. But yeah, it's 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 a game on a pile of games. Huh. That's very interesting. My my summary is going to be uh, pretty similar. I I enjoy the game, and I have a fun time playing it. And in our recent plays, I was reminded of that. And this was one of those oh yeah, Terra Mystica games when it came out. It doesn't tax my mind, and I've I've moved on from that. I guess for me, the fun in Terra Mystica comes in that short term planning and the executing of of spending my income to get various things done, and how that factors into the next round. I mean, I'll, I'll happily play it. I'll happily teach it. I might suggest it in certain company that they think they want to have a year fair. I'm not like you. I'm not. I'm not jonesing to play it any any again anytime soon. I think the coolest thing for me in our recent plays was that game that uh, over here you, me, and Amanda and Rob and my wife watched, and she started like manipulating my income. It's like, oh, build this, do that, do that. She started. And I was like, okay, like if she wants to play this game, I'm gonna. Okay, I'm gonna ride with that, right? Sure. That was the coolest thing that that came out of it recently for me. I enjoy the game, and when I'm playing this game, I'm like, "Wow, I'm enjoying this. This is this is fun." But you know, unlike a game like even Puerto Rico for me, where I'm like, "Man, I'm digging this game. We need to play this more." Yeah. At no point, no point. during my plays have I thought, "Man, we need to play this more." Well, I know what my rating on our one to six scale is i'm really interested to hear yours it i can't give it a three because that's to say it's below average it's not a below average game it's an above average game but it's not special to Mm me um i'd give it a four it's a it's it's a solid four which i'm kind of surprised now if i would have if this would have if we would have recorded this when it first came out it would have been a five bordering six maybe Maybe I was newer yeah, in the hobby right. back then, and I, my mind was blown on this really cool game that just came out. But yeah, it's a game on a pile of games. It's fine. It's it's it, it's enjoyable, but I will never get a hundred. Pl- I will never get twenty plays of this game in my lifetime. Sure. I just there's better games, and there's more games that I'm excited to play than this. Uh, I'm gonna rate it a four as well. I you know I know it's the number two game and all that, but my tastes have become more refined, um, demanding. Okay, and uh, I don't know if that's refined because I don't know that seems weird, but uh, more demanding for sure. I I kind of think like this is a filler game for heavy con kind of a kind of a weight class. You know, I know that sounds weird. That that you know I, I, I mean? won't take it that far. And, and but... A lot of people downrate the game because it's dry or it takes them too long. Oh, to I don't. That... Or it hurts their brain. I downrate it because although it's fun and enjoyable, the decision space just isn't there. So it's a four for me. All right. And that's, uh, that's Terra Mystica. Tell us what you think. Well, that was a interesting Terra Mystica discussion, I think. Because, you know, listeners, we don't share notes and everything. Like, what, what I say, what I say, it's the first time Ed hears it. When Ed says what he says, it's the first time I'm so, hearing yeah, it. So, yeah, I'm kind of I'm a little bit stunned at I am both, of, both of our riffs on it, to be honest with you. The fact that you think it's medium, I think it's heavy, and both of us are just, meh. Yeah. Yeah. Which... Yeah, that's that uh, blows me away. So anyway, changing gears. Let's do it. So Ares Games uh, has announced an anniversary edition for the second edition of War of the Ring. 
Details are coming soon, as is the pre-order. The pre-order is starting July 20th, and this is releasing just a few days before that. But it's not going to be as pimped a copy as the original collector's edition. However, the price tag is $369 plus postage and packing. I think they missed the decimal somewhere. Um, so my thoughts here. I, I mean, I, I came into the hobby after the collector's edition was available. I would have jumped on it even at $400 uh, if I had the chance. Even without knowing that it was going to be worth 1600 to 2000 later on, whatever. There's an FAQ that they're going to be putting out here in the next day or so, uh, probably by the time this releases, that will address a lot of the details, a lot of the questions that people are having okay. about this. Uh, both those that own the collector's edition that were told they will never make another one, and those that don't that are like, oh? I don't <laughs> think it's going to come close to value as far as what the collector's edition is in the aftermarket. Um, so I would... This is just me guessing. How, how many are they making? 2,000, which okay. is quite a few, in my opinion, mm -hmm. for... Even if they sell out, I still think 2,000 is a lot. Is how it, many collectors? I, that I don't know. I, I, 500? Yeah. 2,000? Less. I, I don't think yeah. it was 2,000. People know that I have a pretty decent collection here, and I do on occasion flip games. And flip meaning sell them for a profit or whatever. I won't be doing that with this because I don't think the value is going to be there. I don't think it's going to be anywhere near what the collector's edition is. I am curious about it, and I may order one, but I'll only order one if I enjoy the game enough to where I want to own it, not to turn around and flip. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious what the listeners think on this, for those that are interested, because for you, for instance... I, I gave you, mine away you, two you years ago. You couldn't stand the game. You didn't enjoy it at well, all. At a point in my life, I did. Okay. And I haven't played it yet. I mean, I have my yeah. second edition sitting here, and so I'm going to pre-order one, but I may cancel it. The secrecy of the Fellowship's location is really a pretty cool mechanic, but... Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, it's risk. For me. Okay. All right. So, anyway, I just... I figure for those that didn't hear and might be interested, check that out. I'm sure it's going to be all over BGG. It'll be on Twitter, etc. And all when the facts, the FAQs posted, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, tweet it out for those that follow us there. So what you got? So actually, I know the gist of what you right. have, but I don't know the details. I don't know and, what's on it. And again, you and I are probably going to differ on this. Yeah. As we mentioned earlier, the Gen Con releases are pretty meh for what we're looking for right, usually right. in games. Now, not to say there aren't any good games. There's just nothing that I'm chomping at the bit to go get. Right. And I don't think there's anything that really fits like heavy cardboard. But there are some things that I'm interested in. And so what I wanted to do is real quick throw out a few things at you and why I'm interested in them. Okay. And um, see what you think. Okay. All right. There's only two games I'm, I think I'm just going to buy. Okay. The Atlanteans for Imperial Settlers. And that's really not a game. That's an expansion. Yeah, expansion, sure. That's a fun little game. That no, you, you we, enjoy we I, yeah. I've yet to play the game. Oh, okay, okay. And Mexica, the remake of the uh, Kiesling Kramer, Kiesling und Kramer um, old game, which is which is pretty cool little abstract building game. It looks good, too. And Okay. There's a couple, there's a couple I want to try. Okay. This one, I can't believe I want to try it. But it, the art, maybe, is... is Twisting my brain into places it doesn't need to go, but above and below, it's a storytelling game that is above ground and below ground, and I don't know. 
if y'all could see my face right now. Yeah, mine when too. Eyebrow mine too. Up. I'm really not sure. Uh, Isle of Sky, because there is um, a mechanic in there where you're setting the price of tiles. And I, you, you are know, such a sucker for anything that. like that. I love market stuff. Tesla versus Edison. You is know, that an 18xx light. No, no. <laughs> I, actually, um, a lot of people whose opinions I trust. Uh, have said it's actually really good, yeah. although there's there may be some things that are slightly overpowered. I originally had backed it on Kickstarter, um, but backed out. I decided, plus it was, uh, uh, yeah. A- anyway, yeah. Um, I'm interested in trying it as well. Motanai? Oh, uh, don't Chuddick? tell me, Carl oh, Chuddick, sorry. right? Yeah, that's a... Cards like, as many things. Uh, Glory to Rome 2.0 is what it Uh-oh. was being labeled as. Well, that's a bad connotation right there. I disagree. I think Glory well, just, Rome you know, was fantastic. Agricola 2.0 and this uh, that 2.0. Right. Some yeah. of those things don't work out as people desire, but True. I get what you're saying. Victory in Europe, it's a two to three player block game. I just want to like try it. I have no idea. It's it's an interesting, weird round map. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was on Kickstarter as well. It looked a little too simplified. Maybe so. Um, for me, and that's why I didn't back it. Supposedly has some logistics, but but if somebody we know has a copy, I would be more than happy to play it. Trombon, two-player train-based card game. Sure, again, same thing. And then there's three things I'm going to get for the wife. Okay, Among the Stars Revival because it's two-player Among the Stars. We love playing that. Cool. Castles of Mad King Ludwig's expansion Secrets. She's a she's a castle freak. I'm glad you're getting it so I can try it. Right on. And I have no freaking idea what this is. It's expansion for Takenoko she loves that Ch- Chibis or I don't know Chibis you have baby pandas or something it's, oh that's cool yeah, it's kind of so. I will say this about Takenoko I know some people say it's it's imbalanced in some of the cards this and that whatever of course it is <laughs> who cares it's arguably the most beautiful game yeah. on the table when it's built up at the end of the game I think it's fantastic so I'll worry about that when I'm playing in a $5,000 Takenoko tournament right I, I, I think it's a fun game I enjoy totally, it totally totally let's bring this home alright how to contact us on Twitter at Heavy Cardboard Facebook Heavy Cardboard email us contact at heavycardboard.com website heavycardboard.com and don't forget hit us up on our guild Heavy Cardboard. Last but not least, quick shout out and a reminder, don't forget to stop by and check out our buddy Justin's Kickstarter for t-shirts and ties, cardboard clothing. He's good people too. And speaking of good people, thanks again, Game Surplus, for your sponsorship of Heavy Cardboard. Check them out, guys, www.gamesurplus.com. Good people, great reputation, terrific, terrific inventory games. Yeah, definitely. And don't forget to email them if you have questions, guys. And of course, tell them Heavy Cardboard sent you. Really looking forward to the next episode, my friend. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm a little nervous about it, um, but I'm excited about it. People have asked and, and keep hounding us about it, so we're finally going to do our, 18, our first 18xx episode. Kind of a, a general 18xx primer, maybe, might yeah, be a good what, way to put What's it. interesting to the genre, to it, us. And, and why we enjoy it. Right, so uh, Ed, you're going to open up the guilds? for some questions soon yeah uh look for it this weekend uh i'm gonna open up the ask the elephant it's three weeks in between episodes so it gives us more time to play more 18xx which i'm in favor of um and yeah hit us up for questions both 18xx related as well as you know whatever we'll catch y'all uh in three weeks good night edward good night sir